We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We actually have a movie. We have a movie. <laughs> Man. American Original Falling across film the finish line. has played to actual other eyeballs than you and me. It has played to an I'm audience. I'm so excited. We had a premiere here in Park City, as yeah. you guys probably knew yeah, from yeah. our Facebook there. We had the premiere about, uh, what'd you count, 110 people or so? Yeah, a little over 100 people. Yeah, which was great. It was, it was a bit, one of the biggest screenings we've had here. It was very cool. It played very, very well. A lot yeah, of Corvette did. owners, a lot of non-Corvette owners. I had a lot of cool conversations afterward. So that was going on on Saturday. You're listening mm-hmm. to this on Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. That was going on on Saturday. On Sunday, we had one of our patrons in the D.C. area, Shane, had a, a local premiere at his house, which was very cool. And we did a Q&A yeah, with the, the Park City folks. We did a Q&A with the D.C. folks. It was really awesome to find it. This is the filmmaker in me now to finally, in Park City, watch it with an audience, and in both cases, just just hear from people about their feedback of what they liked. Let me ask this question. How'd you guys do that? All that kind of stuff is so much fun, and it's out there. And for those of you listening, where, where it's driving you mad, I hear you. I hear you. I feel confident. I'm a little ahead to say this, but I feel confident you'll be able to see it between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Yeah, absolutely. This distribution yeah. from our yeah. perspective starts this week, so then it's just about processing and approvals and it being able to be go to go public, which is kind of beyond our, our uh, abilities. But uh, discs are going out for duplication. It's going up on Vimeo and Amazon. We will, of course, yell it from the rooftops when you really can't get it. But I feel <laughs> yeah, confident. Right. I do. Christmas and New Year's, that's your swath where you can get this uh, get this scene, which yeah. we're so excited for you to see it. People still have vacation time. They still have time to see it Absolutely. And still with family and all that. It'd be great. It was fun to actually interact with people yeah. after seeing it because it did bring up questions about and some of you have questions today about which cars you know do you prefer and from a price category and all that kind of stuff and so we were able to actually have those conversations right after the film finished and it was a lot of fun so we were on a video chat with Shane and his group Mm -hmm. in Washington DC and that is all the people that have seen it so far but yes as Todd said we are uploading it currently to Vimeo and Amazon Prime video and then everything will come out so we'll uh we we're working hard to get it out there but I'm thrilled. I'm really thrilled. It just felt like yeah. a really huge sense of accomplishment. And I, I somehow in this weird way, I think because the C8 has been announced that it's been delayed, I think we have this <laughs> we'll see. kind of sweet spot where people are still hungry for yeah. Corvette content. I hope everybody been, watches it. I do too. Yeah. I, it's yeah, been yeah. pushed off, you know, and so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I've read today is nobody was guaranteed the debut at any point. Sure, of course GM not. has not said, we are debuting, and then they no, pulled back. Not. They didn't yeah, yeah, say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's just everybody's so ready and hungry and anticipating the new car that I think that I think that actually yeah. drops at a perfect time. Let's just hope that the Corvette C8 doesn't become another NSX or Supra where we get Absolutely. teased for a decade. But uh, we're excited for that car to come out. But this is – it ended up being a really good retrospective. I mean, I'm pleased with it. 104 minutes long. Yeah. So hour and 45 minutes it's is long. Re- it's really it's really cool. Although one of the conversations I had was with a guy who is a car guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's into muscle cars and he said I didn't think it was long at all. Yeah. It could have been longer. I ate up all the facts and info. Oh, cool. I'm and glad. He knows most of that stuff yeah, already, yeah. but he liked seeing the facts being talked about while we were driving the car totally, and totally. seeing everything. Well, it's it's he liked t- it's that. 20 minutes longer than our Porsche 911 film, which was our longest film prior to this. <laughs> we had more cars. But it's 13 cars. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a lot of driving going on, a lot of really cool locations. Actually, speaking of crazy locations, we kind of change locations every couple of cars in the Corvette mm-hmm. film. Similar to, but not the same as, the Gymkhana 10 that dropped today. Yes. It's five cars, five different locations. I can relate to trying to, to 
plan that, except for I cannot relate to their budget and crew size. No kidding. You see this credits roll afterwards and just yes. the people involved with this thing? Yes, but the other thing that I keep thinking is I, I've watched it, but I also watched the Jim Connor Files, which is the behind-the-scenes eight-episode yeah. making of that's been on Amazon. I'm and I four have, episodes into the eight I've watched all eight. In fact, the, the end of the eighth one is actually it has the Jim Connor on it, so it's actually very cool. And we've met some of the guys here locally at the shop that were involved. Of course, there they are on screen, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say that was not the best for me to watch and then watch Jim Connor. Oh, the behind it's the, the scenes same thing as watch watching the, the behind the scenes on the Blu-ray disc of the movie and then watching the movie because it it just it undercuts the emotional rawness that you get by watching something for the first time. You, you mm-hmm. oh that's this scene oh that's where that thing happened, which is fun to know after the fact. The all that behind the scenes stuff I find personally is amazing if you are a person that loves film and you love a certain film. You watch sure. that movie. Now okay. you watch behind the okay. scenes Fair stuff. It adds to the experience. But if you have all that kind of, oh, I know what happened here, before you see the movie, it kind of undercuts it a bit. So I'm, I'm a weird person. Some of you have asked what we think of it. I'm a weird person to ask because I'm aware of that reality in myself. But I do have to say, and I've seen it now like a couple times, I do have to say with the amount of money and access mm-hmm. and crew size that they have, <laughs> yeah. it has to be awesome. I don't, I don't. I don't say that to yeah. undermine what they've done because it's very cool and it's fun to watch, and the scale of it is enormous. And it is awesome. It is, but awesome. it has to be. Sure, sure. It, I mean, it, it, it's almost. It, it checks the box of expectation met. It doesn't go. I don't go. How did they do this? No, you've got hundreds <laughs> of people. You've got millions of dollars. They threw bodies That's and money how at you it. did it. Right. You know. Right. Sure. Well, I was watching the film. Watching Jim Connor, thinking. Uh-huh. Huh. All right. So he's introduced, Ken's introduced the 1977 F-150 Huna truck, mm-hmm. and he was hooning that thing. And then he had all of his uh, Fiesta STs in there, the rally cars. The Fiesta ST, the, the Kazi. The Kazi the, the was the in there, Hunicorn. yes. Yep, exactly. The, R, the RS. So Mustang and truck aside, I was watching it thinking, well, huh. Ford isn't going to be building us small, fun hatchbacks mm, or true. fun cars anymore. true. So what's Jim Connor 11? This is how my brain works, everyone. <laughs> so what's Jim Connor 11 going to be about? And so Ken drives a navigator, henceforth known as the Hoonigator. Nice, the Hoonigator. Like it? And then he drifts a new Lincoln Continental. With the suicide doors? With the suicide doors. And he steps out of the suicide door covered in smoke. Exactly. But I actually see that. That'd be a cool we shot. We incorporate the suicide doors into yeah. something. Yeah. And those are the two next cars because... We don't have small, fun cars from Ford yeah. anymore. Yeah. It actually struck me because I, I saw these awesome cars and I thought, well, shoot, we don't get those anymore. And so what are the next? Are we just going to keep recycling the rally cars mm-hmm. for you know him and for anybody that else that Funny. wants to drive rally worldwide? Funny. What is Ford going to be supporting? Well, they get them in Europe. Mm-hmm. We know they get them in Europe, but they're not coming here. So what do we drive? What's the fun stuff besides the Mustang and a yeah, crazy truck that nobody will ever drive except for Ken? Mm-hmm. Well, True. maybe... Travis. You'll, Spoiler alert. Yeah, you'll, but you'll, dra- you'll drive it on Forza. That's the only place yeah, you'll drive exactly. it. But yeah. You know, I actually, I just thought of the shot. This Uh-oh. is how my brain works. Okay. <laughs> the suicide door Lincoln Continental. I have thought of the shot. Okay. And then, I want, and then we, we should rant about the Lincoln Wait, that's Continental. That's coming. That's, that's forthcoming. Coming. Yeah, you were setting it up here. But, uh-huh. but you open both of the suicide doors, and you get Ken to do a slide sideways, as he does. You know, a big spinning slide. Uh-huh. But what you do is you park one of those DJI Sparks, which are the little drones that are uh, roughly the size of a, like a small salad plate. I'm seeing you it. You park one of those, 
and you'd keep doing it, keep wrecking those drones until he can have that sit still in the air and the suicide doors, <laughs> he can, it can just sit still while the car slides through it. Of course. It, it, it just hovers and, it, and suddenly it's in the back seat and suddenly it's back out. That's the shot. That's the shot. So there's the throwdown. All, you guys have got money. I could do it if I had like an impossible number of drones. Right. A, a uh, huge crate full of drones. Wrong. I couldn't drive it. I would still need Ken for that. But the filmmaker in me can see how this gets accomplished because you keep throwing people and drones at the problem until it gets accomplished. Oh, that's I perfect. Said, that's gonna, I don't remember the podcast, and I wish I had a, a, the way to reference the it really quickly. It's coming. No. <laughs> you know he's going to drive it. Anyway, but but I actually think – that originally when this Continental got talked about, I talked about the fact, why doesn't it have suicide doors? Because it's about the only trick Lincoln has up its sleeve that nobody yeah. else can really brag. I know Rolls does it, but Lincoln Ew. is known for it on that Continental. That's the one we all think about is the one from the 60s. The fact that they're doing it now in a, what is it, 80 or so limited edition for hundred grand? Yeah, I feel like it's a foregone conclusion for a model that already isn't selling well. They should have done it from the beginning. They should have done it from the very beginning. Every time I see one. Now it's a gimmick. Well, yeah. I mean, at least it's a gimmick that works. It's not. Agreed. Agreed. It's not like, oh, you brought it back and it's cheesy. And well, they brought it back and everybody's standing around doing a golf clap saying, finally, you guys, we're all over here standing here telling you you should have done it. For whatever reason, the internal. We weren't privy to those internal conversations in the business case. And, you know, there were cost cutting and all that yeah. kind of stuff going on but that's my bigger thing is that it should have been from the beginning absolutely and now because absolutely. you're adding it as a special edition that to me feels like a band-aid of this car isn't selling well what do we do that's what it feels like to well me. it shouldn't be 80 cars oh i agree it should be way more than that yes they should agree. put a number on it actually yeah you're yeah, bringing yeah. the suicide doors the coolest you're finally bringing it back mm-hmm. and 80 is all you're building well and and, and the problem what? is i mean they say if they get a lot of response they might make more but when you do something like this the 80 cars with the suicide doors they should have had from the beginning you know what happens the people that are going to clamor to get them are going to be the people that can throw their money first which are the guys with the car collections that don't actually drive them they just let them sit there Oh, that's a good point. So I, let's let's just make this a new checkable option on Continental's period, and maybe you'll sell some, just in general. Honestly, I think the problem for sales is design. It is mm. a weak design, in my opinion. Hmm. It is not strong. Okay, the okay. surfaces are not strong. The resolution at the rear of the car is weak, in mm. my opinion. The, mm. the mm. lines are not accentuated enough. They're, they're not bold enough. They're not executed well enough. Interesting. It, it doesn't look like a strong foot forward. Cadillac V-Series, everything Cadillac has done since... Well, say since two thousand, yeah, strong, yeah. sharp, aggressive. You may not like it, but they very but they've, confident yes, lines. Yes, I, I hear that you. There. Is I see that is not the Lincoln Continental. Mm, the mm. the back melts. That rear trunk lid just kind of melts, it, and it's it not really well formed as yeah. far as a volume. It's okay, and yeah. the front fenders are not flared. They're not. Come on, let's accentuate things more. Let's. Yeah. It's the Lincoln Continental. It's the bad boy. Come on. It has no sharpness about it. It is very rounded. That's a very good point. The original Continentals yeah. oh my had gosh. a really sharp, yeah. accentuated in chrome trim along yeah. the top of the fender ridge all the way back. Look at me. It's a it's a huge brick on wheels, and it, it, it's just about as bold as could be. It just, I, I do it's have to a say, weak design. I do have to say, in Lincoln's defense, I can't believe I've just said that sentence. In Lincoln's defense. <laughs> 
They're pushing really hard on interiors right now. And I climbed all around the Navigator at the LA Auto Show, and the Navigator's got a very impressive interior. Oh, it's gorgeous. I had to get past the exterior, which I don't really like very much, but the interior is very impressive, and they are pushing hard on materials and that kind of thing, and that's good because Lincoln's had the problem for a while where their interiors were the slightly nice versions of the same cars you bought from Ford. Now, Lincoln's hanging on to cars, so let's see if they can do that. But uh, I I take your points on the design. I think, yeah, suicide doors are cool. Should have been there from the beginning. Looking at headlights, taillights, the signature headlight design. Does that say Lincoln? Does that say – no. It actually says Acura to my eye. (laughs) It doesn't actually – it's not a strong shape with a strong eyeball presence. Lincoln. Acura, but different. (laughs) Watered down Acura or something. (laughs) We're being very hard. I'm being very hard. The American Acura. It's too subtle. It's not. Those rear fender flares are not strong. Interesting. They're not strong enough. Okay. All right. And this this car should have been. They added six inches to the wheelbase. It should have been this Mm. from the very beginning. Let's not even bother to build the four-door conventional opening car. Mm. Don't even go there. Mm. If Mm. you're apologizing now by meekly bringing out the Continental Suicide Door and only 80 units and apologizing to the car community by, well, we kind of did it now. Everybody applaud. No, you should have done this from the very beginning. Okay. I I should have listened, and I'm being very hard on them for that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Last thing to cover before we get into a cool topic Tuesday about uh, dealer test drives. We do have a cool car debate as well coming up from Kevin is writing to us from Canada. Many of your questions, all of that is coming, but I should say one quick thing that came up this weekend as a part of our premiere because you and I were walking around wearing our cool everyday drive driver jackets and at one point you and i've joked about the fact that we also have cool everyday driver hats now that we try not to wear the hat and the jacket because we think that's too much but <laughs> a little bit we overbranded uh, is there such a thing as overbranding i'm not a guy that has traditionally liked baseball caps but i was given one yeah. last year that i really liked the fit of it mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. an, uh, it was an under armor and i suddenly started wearing it all the time then i realized i want to wear a hat with my own logo on. i want to see the everyday driver logo yeah if i'm gonna wear a hat with a logo so anyway so we made a batch of these hats for you and me and for the crew and we've got some left over i mm-hmm. say all of this to say we have a extreme limited edition there's like there's like 20 of them left guys extreme limited edition gray everyday driver official hat that is available right now in our store everydaydriver.com go to the store tab you will see it right there on our amazon page mm-hmm. that is 20 and they're gone they're available in medium and large if you'd like an everyday driver cap now you can get them otherwise you can you can just buy one on the store but these are ones we made for us we made a batch so that we could just have options and give them out to some people and now we got about 20 left and we thought we need to sell these guys to, to whoever would like to have them. So they're out there right now. I think they're $29, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're really cool fitted they're under armor They're embroidered, actually. The logo's yeah, embroidered yeah. in white thread. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice. cool looking. So if you'd like one of those, go to the store. You can find one. They're very cool. We hope you wind up with one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, jumping into the topic Tuesday here. We have decided to take this question from Bob W. He wrote to us just a little bit earlier on Facebook, and he asked, how do you get what you need from a dealer test drive? Mm. And even though a lot of us are buying used from private owners or you know wherever yeah, we yeah, find yeah. cars, it's, you know a lot of times it's private owners, but what about dealers? Whether it's mm-hmm. independent, mm-hmm. whether it's a full-on OEM dealer and they've got a used car in the lot, or whether you're buying brand new, how do you go get what you want? We thought yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd touch on this for a little bit and cover a few things. I'm, I'm jumping in just remembering where the show started. Okay. Yeah. When you and I were asked to join friends and or family to go to a dealer and say, guys, you, you know about cars. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know what I want next. I'm vaguely interested, but I don't know about this other brand that I have kind of seen and heard about. And I'm, I just want to go check them out because I know nothing about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And there's many of you who I know work at dealerships, and there's plenty of car people who do, but there's plenty of non-car people working in sales roles at car dealers, this is true. which is something you need to realize from the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. They have come from retail. They've come from software. They've come from all kinds of different careers, and you know they're selling cars now, which mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. Yeah. In some cases, they are salespeople first. And maybe a car person. Now, look, there's the opposite. You can find a guy that's a salesperson that is also a huge car person. Absolutely. That, that happens. There's many But of it them. isn't just because they work at a car dealer selling cars doesn't mean, I hate to say it this way, doesn't mean they actually like or know much about cars. They might just know how to give you information and sell you a product. Mm-hmm. Okay? Which is fine. It's just – but I think that's the, the first problem you've hit on is that we kind of assume that the guy at the dealership knows about the car. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You want to go in, first of all – as much as you're willing to is arm yourself with information Absolutely. about the car. Yeah. There's plenty yeah, yeah, yeah. of information all over the internet. Reviews, our reviews included, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. think, all right, I'm ready to go check that car out. Mm-hmm. So you're armed with your information. You go to the dealer. And it takes a while to work your way towards the test drive. Rare is it when the dealer says, all right, I here's the keys. It yeah. happened to Todd and I once at a mm-hmm. Jaguar dealer. It did, yeah. It's got to be, what, five years ago now? Uh, more than that, probably. More Frightening that. to think about, but yeah. It was um, it was a brand new car, mm-hmm. and he handed us the keys and said, don't take it to Mexico, and... <laughs> See you in a bit. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't yeah, yeah. even... He said, if you have any questions, let me know, but... Go experience the car. Yeah, which was cool. Very Go confident of him. Car. Very good of him to know the product and just be like, it'll speak for itself. Which I is thought, great. wow, yeah. if that's yeah, yeah. sales 101 right there. He didn't say a word. He didn't, I mean, he greeted us. Yeah. But he didn't say, you know, what, what can I help you with? What are you yeah, interested yeah, totally. in? We're really interested in this car. Here's the keys. Go, buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is rare, but it's awesome when you find it. And also there's the old tactic that sometimes still exists. And that is the people that will give you the extended test drive or even the, and this is a sales tactic, the overnight test drive. Because mm-hmm. what they want yeah, you right. to do, this is the whole reason they do that. And sometimes you can find dealers that will still do it. They give you the overnight test drive. Bring it back tomorrow. Because what they want you to do is put it in your driveway and have your neighbor ask. Because mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. that, for a lot of people, is motivating for, I really should have that car. It looks good in my driveway and I like it in my garage. And so-and-so asked about it. And so I got to get it now. There is a level of that. It doesn't always work, but there's a level of that. I'm going to say that, the, and I want you to, to drill down further, Paul, but I'm going to say that the broad headlines for me here are two things. A lot of times we give you guys drive homework. I know I do. It's okay when you're doing the drive homework step to accept the dealer test drive because you're covering a lot of ground. You're sure, covering, you know, sure. I'm going to cover six cars today. What's your little circuit? Whatever. Because from that, you can at least understand right away if you hate the ergonomics of the car because you've been two blocks, you don't like it. I can't see out of this thing. That kind of stuff can get covered on the dealer test drive. But it isn't enough when you start buying. When you buy cars like sports cars, you got to get them somewhere. FRS is a great example. Uh, MX-5 is a great example. you got to get it out somewhere to a decent drive. So what I would say is once you've got your car purchase idea nailed down to one or two cars, then you approach those one or two cars and you get very upfront. Mm-hmm. Sure. I need this car for some time. How much time can you give me? Can I have it for the next two hours, four hours, six hours? Because you need to go drive it until, honestly, you get comfortable in it or uncomfortable in it. Sometimes either of those can take some time. Oh, the seat feels great. And an hour later, you're like, I don't like this seat. That happens. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, but you're sure. going to have to go in and go, I am very interested. But honestly, the key thing for me is I need an extended test drive. And once you get into that, if you start going down that road, nobody from the dealer is going to go with you. They can't spare that time. Uh-huh. But right, a lot of them will right. spare the car. You know, the biggest headspace that I want you guys to be in is that you can take your money elsewhere. You're yes, there checking yes, things yes. out, and 
you know, you may not buy today, but being, uh, I'm not saying the salespeople are the enemy. That's not what I'm saying. Not but at all. Not they at all. have a checklist of things that they want to do to customers, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, it could be a variety of things. But I'm saying walk in armed with information, yes, and then armed with the knowledge and thought that. I can go to another dealer in another city or state yeah, and bring yeah, yeah. them my business. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing to earn my business? What yeah, is it that fair. sets you apart? That's fair. And so when you walk in, yes, you're interested. Yeah, I'm interested in this model. Please show this to me and start mm-hmm. off the conversation there. But they should not be collecting your driver's license. They should not be banking a photocopy of it. They should not be collecting your car keys of the car that you dro- you drove in yeah. because these are sometimes tactics that they use yeah, to yeah. keep you there in the showroom. Yeah. And I have, I have done this, actually. It's a little sneaky, but what I do is I park the car that I arrive in uh-huh. around the corner from the dealership, either on a side mm, street or mm. I walk a block to get to the dealer so they can't see the car that I arrived in. I see that. Okay. All right. Because I've had too many dealers and sales folks, they've seen me pull up and they've seen the car I get out of. Yeah. And they'll say, so you trading in your Durango today? Oh, you saw the car. No, I'm just here to. And they instantly pigeonhole you based on the car you drove. What if you drove up in a Mercedes or a BMW or a Porsche? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they're instantly gauging you by how much they think you have to spend, Mm -hmm. whether you're going to finance or pay. I park the car, whatever it is, and I leave it way out of sight. I'm very deliberate about this. That's funny. And I walk to the dealership and I come in a side door. And I start looking around, and then inevitably, you're much sneakier than I am at all. Finally, this. somebody notices me, and they think, "Oh, well, we haven't paid attention. Has somebody helped you?" No, I'm interested in such and such a model. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. Let me, sh- yeah, yeah. you know, then you start off the conversation, and you, of course, everybody's working towards the test drive. And the, you've heard this before: the dealers have their test routes. Mm-hmm. Of course, absolutely. And it depends on the salesperson. It depends on the day and the time and how much time people have. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think it's valid and fair to request a different route. Mm-hmm. You know what? Could we take a 20-minute drive? Could we yeah. take the yeah, roads yeah. and the on-ramps that I'm used to taking that I want to – I know my own car and I want to compare it. That's my direct comparison on totally, the roads yeah. that I know, not the mm-hmm. dealer-preferred route because it's usually I can see that. one or two blocks and that yeah. doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm looking at all these things – with the headspace as you're in control. You are quite literally in the driver's seat because you have the mm-hmm. ability to take your dollars and your spending power yeah, to another place. True, true. So, of course, you can ask the you know the dealer, hey, mm-hmm. can, as Todd said, can I have the overnight drive? Can I have a drive without the salesperson? Of course, at that point, they are going to collect a copy of, of your course. driver's license. Oh, yeah, of course. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you need to establish all those things. You have to have a budget in your mind, yeah. even though I'm going to blow it out for you. But of course, you are. Yeah. Don't that, negotiate on the sure. payment on the monthly payment. Negotiate on the final sale price of the car. Always mm-hmm, mm-hmm. payments can be broken up any number of different ways yeah, yeah, because yeah. it depends on how much you have they down. And then it. if they don't know what car you're trading in, they can't assume anything. Interesting. All right. Yeah, and what you're, if you're, you're there to buy another car? What if I'm keeping that car? They've already assumed all that stuff. And you're much more strategic than I am in all of this. That's you have to yeah. be. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, ignore all the, it comes in your, what's your favorite color? It comes in your favorite color. Ignore. Hey, have you checked out how good the stereo is? Ignore. Yeah. Turn yeah, that yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like I said, the, you're directing the experience. Totally, totally. And and the, that's the thing I have found in a lot of situations with salespeople is that we can get down the road and realize, and they will start to realize, I probably know more about the car I'm driving than they do. 
Probably. And, and Probably. I don't come in, you know, with bluster like, well, this is who I am. I don't, I don't do no, that. No, that's not that. what I'm saying. You're but, just arming yourself. But you've got it. But here's the thing that I mis- mistook the first couple times I bought a car is I came in armed with information and was told by the salesperson something different. And I assumed they were right and my research was wrong. Not the case. No. Not always no. the case. Nine times out of ten, if you have researched, because that's it. And I, look, I'll, I'll go something on the other end of the spectrum. You have a guy at a car dealer. He's got to try to keep all the information about all the cars in his head at once, and honestly, he's going to fail. He, she's going to fail. They, they can't have all the little minutia. You're shopping for one of the models they sell, and you've looked at that model only. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. looked at it this morning before you showed up. That puts you – I don't care if the person at the dealer has already memorized all the stats. They didn't memorize them this morning for the exact car you're getting in. You probably have have got a few things where you can just be confident and be like, no, 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 this one really is like this. Mm-hmm. Sure. So stand sure. on your own confidence and and use them to help you, but ha- don't have them – like you said, don't have them drive, metaphorically no. or literally. Yeah. Exactly. Come in with a director's mindset. And always collect their business card. Do not give your phone number out. Always collect their business card and say you'll be in touch. Unless you want to be called. Because you'll be called. That's true. You'll be called. Yes, you will. And yeah, again, just you're in control and knowing your budget and your Mm -hmm. mind and all those kinds of things. It's, I I think that is turned out better, I I think, Mm -hmm. at least for me. And those little things, because I feel like I'm I'm at an equal footing at that point. Mm -hmm. The dealer has... You know, their their checklist of things. And yet another one is the price. If you just, you're standing out in the lot, you're, you know, reading the, the Monroney label and yeah, looking at yeah, the yeah. price. Also, there is the look on that dealership's website before you even get there, mm-hmm. because they might have listed that exact VIN number, that exact car for a lower price mm-hmm. online than True. they have on the lot. It's actually very common. And if you it's already know that price and yep. you and then you get to the lot and you find that car mm-hmm, and think, well, mm-hmm. here it is. Whoa, they're asking three grand more on the MSRP. Yeah, it's it's kind of common. It honestly. is. Yeah. And if you already you, – you wait to offer the information. Yeah. You, you hold yeah, off yeah. on the things that you know because then when you get to price and you are interested, then you pull that out and you say, well, it's actually listed for less online. Yeah. They're surprised you look sometimes. Yeah. That happened to me when I bought my Jeep. They were that. actually surprised. I see that. Yeah. It was listed at fifty-one, and we settled on well, I settled on forty-seven at the point at that point. Mm-hmm. But that was because I had that corporate discount. So that yeah, leads me to the other you. thing: yeah. if your company is large enough and has the buying power mm-hmm. for A or B plan pricing, X plan is usually employees of the car company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But A or B or friends or family, sometimes you can give those codes away mm-hmm. and generate mm-hmm. one or two codes per year. It's usually in the U.S. and it's usually mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the American car companies. Mm-hmm. Well, FCA is not really, but you know. Yes and no, yeah. Kind of. They're Italian-American, yeah. <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> so usually there's some buying power there. And yeah, dealerships yeah. are not used to that code, by the way. They're surprised. Fair, and yeah. then when they run it and they think, all right, this person is very savvy and knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I sure am. Interesting. There's a lot of resources you can find online as far as you know what to look for as far as the transmission or the steering feel or whatever that is. But hopefully you can gauge that from our videos mm-hmm. if you found... You know, a lot of folks use our our YouTube content on our catalog for comparison. When we're talking about a particular thing, then they're going to go drive that car with that transmission or clutch feel or seat feel in mind. That's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Guys, thanks for writing in your questions. We really appreciate it. If you've got a topic Tuesday you'd love us to cover, please write to us the same place you write your car debate. So that Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Write your full car debate there. 
or on the website. You can go to the About tab, and right under that on the website is the Contact button. Yeah, it's a great You place. can write that there. So if you've got the Topic Tuesday that's on your mind, which is a longer discussion like this, please write to us there. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. We're jumping in for the debate here from Kevin H. in mm-hmm. rural Quebec in Canada. He wrote to us with the title that he is a professional with the heart of a hoon. <laughs> Love it. That's great. <laughs> he is a 41-year-old mechanical engineer currently working as a business development manager in the defense industry. And mm-hmm. so he said he makes decent money. He's married with two kids, ages four and eight. Hello, family. Yes, for and sure. And they're out in rural Quebec where the roads are terrible. Mm-hmm. So they've got horrible broken pavement, gravel, dirt, snow, and ice. But on the other hand, they're fun. They're twisties, there's hills, and not many police. Probably because the, the roads are so broken. Yeah, and you're, and you're in the middle of nowhere. So that's the trade-off for sure, yeah. All right, his wife commutes 50 miles round trip in a 2014 Honda Pilot. He mainly works from home, but he commutes 50 miles round trip into the city once or twice a week from meetings to and going to and from the airport. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kevin currently drives a 2012 Volkswagen Jetta GLI Stage 1 tune that he loves, but it has over 100,000 miles, and he's going to have to replace the car or replace a lot of the suspension components because of the aforementioned broken roads. So he said, you know, the roads just destroy cars here. They also Mm -hmm. salt the roads, so everything's a rust bucket after 5 to 10 years. (laughs) We live near the Great Salt Lake. We definitely know what salting roads are We've seen the salt and much, much uh, corrosion, yes. And he says, if there were ever a case for buying an all-wheel drive car, it is him because they get snow six months a year. And to top all that off, he's got a very steep 300-foot-long driveway that if it's not plowed and sanded, you cannot get up with front-wheel drive, not to mention all-wheel drive. So, you know, even with good winter tires. But he refuses to constrain himself just to all-wheel drive. I love that. He's open. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Now, he's always loved cars, specifically Porsches. He has a picture of himself when he was seven years old in a red 1985 911. So he's the 911 has been his aspirational car for a long time. And he's at the point in his life where he's making good money and he's mm-hmm, considering it. Mm-hmm. And he brings a list of cars that are in his past, including an 89 Dodge Aries 5-speed that he hit triple digits in. Kevin, I'm surprised you're alive. Hit triple digits and it promptly fell apart. Oh my <laughs> no, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> And so he gives us a couple of options here. And he says, on one hand, sensible me wants to get my wife a fuel sipper to commute in, and mm-hmm. then he'll take her pilot. Yeah. And then he writes, strategic me loves the fact that she, driving the pilot, takes care of all the practical needs there and then sure, frees yeah. Kevin up to buy what mm-hmm. he wants. Mm-hmm. So he's saying option one here is the keeping his wife's old CRV as the winter beater. Actually, that's the third car in the discussion. That one still exists. Oh, yes. We have a Honda CRV. It still exists. It's been his winter fallback car if he doesn't want to drive the GLI, which he loves. So this car still exists. So that's the whole point. That's very true. Great point. The pilot, that's the thing about the pilot. The pilot is just staying. It's a family duties car. It's there. It's great. It's fine. So we have two others in play here the GLI and the CRV. That's right. So he's saying as option one, keep that and then get himself a summer car. Fifteen to twenty-five thousand hard 
desktop. GLI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Replacing the GLI, and it gives us a list including a nine nine six point two. Some boxers and Caymans are in there. Yep. He suggests the fun cars, the classic fun cars totally, that we have totally, we've suggested. Yep. yep. And then option two is to get rid of both those cars that Todd said, the GLI mm-hmm. and the CRV, mm-hmm. and buy one year-round car mm-hmm. up to thirty grand, twenty to thirty grand somewhere yeah. there. Yeah, and there's a huge list of possible options here. I, I have to say, my first question for you, Kevin, is when when I look at your options, um, I'm not sure some of the cars on your list you can get for your budget. I mean, like I'll, what? I'll go, well, okay. For example, he says uh, this is the option two to sell both the GLI and the CRV, and on here he has uh, Porsche Panamera four. Oh yeah, true. For thirty grand at the most, I don't think you that's get that. It's going to be car. a high mileage beat down Panamera, uh, and I don't know you want that one. I, I, that, that's my <laughs> concern. So th- that's my my issue with this a little bit. I mean, he also brings up things like the Kia Stinger and the, and the XE all wheel drive and this kind of stuff. But I, I, if thirty grand US is the top, hmm. you're definitely shopping used on all of these. And how used that Panamera frightens me for thirty grand. I got to be honest. <laughs> I, I guess so. Yeah. We have to wait for $30,000 Hellcat chargers. And then we have to lock our doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the equation for sure. I mean, he's got some Acuras in here. The Acuras would be cool. He's got a lot of Audis. Guess what? Those are all-wheel drive kings. I, I see that. Uh, lots of stuff there on the sell both. I mean, this list is twice as long as the other list. The the sell the um, sell only the GLI and get a fun car is kind of where I want you to be, but your list is short. The sell right. both and get an all year round car. Obviously, we're into much more usable sedans because you have to you have to adult now and then. So uh, <laughs> you have to not be quite as childish as we'd like everyone to be. So you've got everything on here though, from Audis to Acuras to BMWs, Cadillac, Kia Stinger, Lexus, even the the Volkswagen uh, uh, Golf R variants are on here, G, uh, GTIs as well, and even the WRX. I mean, we're everywhere on this list. Yeah, it's pretty scattered. He he does have to adult. He said he's supposed to look like a professional. In a conservative industry where he's got a lot of government clients, and mm-hmm. sometimes other people need to be seen in his car. Mm-hmm. The horror. I don't get the impression he needs to drive three other people around ever, but he and no. someone else may go around, and it's he has to go, yeah, that is my car. It's the balance between not something completely juvenile, but not something, you know, hey, you're a government employee, and you drive that hot thing? Like, yeah. We're yeah. paying you too much. Yeah, there is that How's concern that for sure, yeah. And then he says bonus points for back seats, good fuel economy, and good reliability. Mm, okay. He's not going to be tracking this. No. This is the car to drive for fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, Kevin, I've got options for both of your options. Good. Excellent. I've got some suggestions like here I for like either one. I'm actually leaning towards option two, but to start okay. with, I, I want to cover your option one. If you keep your wife's old CRV here. Mm-hmm. And I came to a car that you and I haven't talked about for a long time. Okay, great. It's the second-generation Mazda Speed 3, the oh. 2010 to 2013 okay. Mazda Speed 3. With now, they're front-wheel drive yeah. only. Mm-hmm. They're a high-strung turbo. Yes, they are. They are reliable, mm-hmm. and they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They, they've got great back seats, good fuel mileage. They're kind of like the closest thing Mazda's ever done, really, to a, a rally car for the rest of us. Okay, sure. Kind sure, sure. of. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? I yeah, they're, it's they're, still front-wheel drive. It's, it's close not, to that rally world without actually being one of those cars. Right. I get that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. not saying that's their rally car, but no, it's, it's the thing that was for sale to most people. And, and, you're, and you're cross-shopping it against those, you know, the WRX and the Evos, and those. that's what it went against. I get it. I mean, sure. you can get a really nice one for sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars Yeah, for sure. For low sure. miles, mm-hmm. lots of fun, low mm-hmm. on the insurance, and that's just going to be... You know, you could actually probably drive it somewhat into winter too. Mm. Put some good tires on it. Yeah. And, I mean, Possibly. your driveway is a driveway is going to be a challenge. But yeah, <laughs> bit of a challenge. I was thinking about a really long winch, 
and you just winch your car and back it all the way to the street and then just unhook the hook right there and leave the cord. It's just leave a tow the, hook. Leave the wire just sitting the length of your driveway. You so when you come home hook. and you've got the remote control and you just winch your way up to the driveway. So that way it doesn't matter what you drive. <laughs> I actually like that more than I thought I would. It's a good idea. And then, of course, your car is parked at the office with the tow hook sticking out. He's like, oh, you go to the track? No. No. I just go up my driveway. Exactly. Yeah. It's my driveway. What are you kidding? So I thought of that. That is an option. It's the fun hot hatch. Mm-hmm. They're inexpensive and reliable, and they're not the typical hot hatches. Yeah, I agree with that. I did like your Golf R suggestion. That could be in this category. And I also like your 996 suggestion, too. Yeah. The C2, the C4S, probably. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to enjoy all those cars. But that isn't the direction that I really, really want you to go. Okay. Because option two, I think is the direction, even though that CRV is probably paid off and it probably just runs. I think despite your email here saying BMW and Mercedes both seem like junk to me. And most people I know of drive them have had tons of problems. I disagree. I disagree. All right. Where are you going? They're high strung cars. They are all these German cars and they need maintenance, but I would contend that they're just as well built and robust. If you take care of them, Mm, if you spend the money on them, I see that. Okay. It is a Mercedes GLA AMG 45. That was on my wildcard list. This is my option, too, for you. And there's nice ones for 29. I know. I know. Low miles. Yes, I hear you. It's like the grown-ups hot hatch. Absolutely, it is. It's the grown-ups rally car. Mm -hmm. It's got four seats. It's a high-strung turbo. Mm -hmm. It's going to get good gas mileage. Not if you drive it really hard and fast, yeah. but you can. Well, somebody, when they tested it, got good gas mileage. None of us that actually drive like we talk speed. about on the podcast will get good gas mileage. But that's the reality of turbos. Yeah, keep going. That is my option. After okay. considering this litany of cars that you've given us, Genesis Coupe, there's Lexi, there's Porsches, there's Volkswagens, the GTI, and the Mark 7 Golf R. Mm-hmm. There's a lot on here, but the Mercedes was not, and I think you're overlooking this car. It's, it's on my list. I, I applaud you because it's on my list too. I'm I'm yeah. pushing hard despite what he's saying because we all have perceptions mm-hmm. about cars. I I have perceptions we probably as I mean we all do them of course more than anybody. Yeah, I, I've got perceptions and my own opinions about cars, but and your comment here about Volvo and JLR they are not also terrible cars, mm-hmm. but the Volvo and Jaguars that I would want you in are newer and past your budget. Mm, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. So I come to this Mercedes 2015 GLA AMG 45 for 29,000. That's such a deal. That's uh, such a deal. I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, of course. And I've seen multiple of that. 47,000 miles, 299. I'm going to back you up on that. I think that car is is a, is worth looking at. I mean, we've talked cool. about it before as being, you know, you've outgrown the hot hatches. What do you get? That's where you go, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I I think that car is no more of a gamble than buying a GTI or a Golf R. Agreed. From a reality, uh, reliability standpoint. You know, there's – and again, I've said before, people that I know with GTIs and Golf R, some of them have had constant problems and some of them have had no problems. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you the difference in those two cars. It's the same model owned by two different people. What's the difference in how they're being used? But, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not running like a Camry. I get that. But I don't think it's going to be any more problematic than if you bought a GTI. Agreed. And Honestly. by the way, Kevin, AMG cars are not built on the same assembly line as normal Mercedes-Benzes. Mm, fair point. They're built in a separate building, a separate facility. Just hand-built, they're, they are true AMG cars are a different story. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you need to look at this car. Give it serious consideration. Put some knobbies. I, like I mean, it. it could be your rally. Put some mud flaps on it. It would. 
and it people would work say all year round. It's a hatch, but it's a Mercedes. But it's a hatch, yeah. but it looks economy. Well, it's it funny looks that you brought that up because because he actually mentions Kevin. You mentioned on your list. You mentioned getting a Macan S. Can you get one for thirty grand? I don't think so. Not an S. I don't think They're so. Still forty-five. And you don't 50. want the base Macan because it's got a four-cylinder that is underpowered, and I've heard is not overly reliable. Mm. So don't get that one. So you need at least the S. I don't think you can get that for your budget, but you can get this GLA. And you mentioned here, Kevin, you say the Macan S, in your opinion, is it's a hatchback, not a CUV. I agree with you. And the mm-hmm. same is true of that GLA. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Six-speed paddle shift. Watch our piece. We actually have a TV episode from season two that is your Jeep Cherokee, Paul, your old Grand Cherokee, representing yeah. this is what SUVs used to be versus right. the Macan and that GLA. And I spent most of the episode talking about the fact that the GLA was just a hatchback. And no it's kidding. six speed fast. I think we I'm, both I'm glad you mentioned it because it's yeah. on my list to drive for that second option as well, the single car option. I have another one I want to mention. I want to talk also about the double car option. But do you have any others? That's where I'm landed. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's excellent. On your uh, sell both cars option, I'll just stay there because we're there already. I think the Audis, um, once you start buying older Audis, I think you're into some maintenance costs, just like you are with older BMWs. I think that's a it's a known concern. I get it. Uh, the the Cadillac ATS, you say you've driven the uh, two uh, two liter turbo all wheel drive. They're great to drive. I think you need the bigger engine. Mm. I, I'm not a fan mm. of that two liter turbo in that car. I think you need okay. the V6, and that may blow out your budget. So that's a concern. You can't get a Stinger for thirty grand yet that I'm aware of. Mm. Interesting option. I don't, but I'm not the GT1 or GT2 that I'd want you to have. But that, so that's my concern there. And also, you've been driving small cars. The CRV is not big. The, the Pilot is big, but the CRV is not big, and neither is GL, GLI. So getting into something as big as a Stinger, I kind of feel like you're going to lose a little bit of the fun. You might maintain it in a Panamera 4, maybe, but that's beyond your budget. I don't feel like you can get one of those. So I'm trying to stay smaller, which led me to the same place you were at, which is the GLA AMG 45 is a good one. But I have to go there. If you're going to go single car, and I kind of like your dual car option, and I want to go there next. Okay. But if you're going to go single car, and this is just your car, and your wife has the family hauler, and you have this crazy driveway, but wouldn't it be fun I'm going to go someplace I haven't been in a while, but it may seem obvious once I'm there. Get yourself an Evo 10 MR. <laughs> no rear wing. Seriously, no rear wing. True. And you get it in True. that gunmetal gray color. And when you put anybody in that car that doesn't know cars, they're not going to have any idea what it is. They're not going to care. It, it's it's an economy car with some somewhat nice wheels on it, and it's a little it's a little four door sedan. To most and people, whatever. it looks like an economy car, okay. and eh, the fenders are a little bit flared, but yeah. eh, whatever. Leave the stock exhaust on it. Don't get it. Don't do what <laughs> yeah. this person that owned my car did. So yeah, get the stock exhaust on it. It's got the little ducktail. It doesn't really. It doesn't have the wing at all. It's mm-hmm. got the paddle shifts. It's got the nicer interior. It's got plenty of room for your wife and girls to be in it. You can hose them out. No, it, it's got some Alcantara. In it. It, <laughs> okay. You don't want to hose it. It's going to stay wet for a while. Don't all do right. that. All right. But well, it does have a small trunk. But you don't need a lot of utility. But it is a genuine four door car. And when your driveway is a disaster, it doesn't matter. True, true. It doesn't matter. When the roads beat up on it, it's fine. That's that rally breeding is working to your benefit, but it's still, look, it's not a luxury car. It isn't. But it still is nice enough that I don't think you're going to get weird looks. You mm. didn't pull up in an STI, crazy blue with gold wheels and a wing. It's not that. 
Mm. Okay, so that's why I think you should take a look at this card. I mean, I'm gonna both of my choices for you. I kind of feel like are wild cards because I see your list, and your list is a little more staid, and I there's some good stuff on there. But GLA AMG 45 and Evo 10 MR, you can get one for your budget. It's got the six speed uh, um, paddle shift that I'm actually using right now. That SSTs on my Lancer, pretty cool transmission, ready for anything. That's my single car. But I want to go back to two cars. Mm, okay. Is because this your final choice? I mean, you, you I, like option I like, two, but you're like I like the two cars most for okay, you. Okay. And, and here's why, Kevin. You've got look. You've got the normal car. The your wife has the family car. The pilot works. I think that's great. Clearly, the CRV has also just run, and you have no concerns. And will continue it. to. And what I like yeah. about that is that can be the car that when you look outside and you go, "How am I getting places today?" You don't have to think twice. You just you're in the CRV. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it goes. It works. The heater works. It's fine. Oh look, I hit a pothole. It doesn't matter. This frees you up headspace wise to get something where you're like, "I'm going to drive the cool car today," and it can just be the cool car. Plus, you've replaced your driveway with a heated conveyor belt system, <laughs> an overly elaborate and expensive conveyor belt system. No, it'll be a car that you don't drive a lot. I mean, my my Lotus is sitting forlorn in my. Uh, Garage right now, very pristine, clean. By the way, I cleaned it more than I normally do. Have you started that thing lately? I need to. I need to. Yeah, I actually almost drove drove it yesterday because it was fifty degrees yesterday. Except for the fact that my driveway is actually lengthy. It's flat, thankfully, but it's lengthy and covered in snow. Yeah, and I don't think I could have gotten it down the drive because I think it would have been too. (laughs) I could, but once I got to the street, it would have been great. All the the roads are clear, but my driveway's not clear enough. Sort of looking forward to the phone call from you, like. I tried to take the Lotus out, and it's stuck in snow. <laughs> yeah, I need to get the Lotus towed. Now, luckily, I have tow hooks on it, and so does the Cayenne, so I can pull <laughs> it true. back. You I've done it before. Yank it back in your garage. But anyway, so there's that. Let's not do that. But but I thought, okay, you could get yourself an Audi TT for this. That'd yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. That's, it's a nice businessman's car. I like it, but yet it's still fun. It's everything you like about the, the GTIs, but true. going sporty. True. So that's a great choice. I like that. I see your BMW 228. I like that one too, but I'm just going to go there because you have a whole couple of paragraphs here with Porsche love. You're just buying the fun car, Kevin. Let's go get yourself a Boxster. Think so? Yes, Boxster. I mean, he Not does even allude Cayman. to the Porsche love from the very yes. beginning. You've wanted one since you were a little kid. True, You can true. do it. You can get a Boxster. You don't even need to get the S. I mean, you can if you can afford it. Great. But go get yourself a Boxster convertible and just enjoy I I think because it gets you into Porsche without my my concern with you getting into a Porsche, be it the Panamera or the 911 or whatever, as your only cars. I think you're going to have those precious moments where, but I don't want to drive that today. It's awful, but it's my only car. What am I going to? All that's out the window. Don't have to worry about it twice. Never have to think about it again. I don't, I look, I want you to drive this car all the time. I am that guy. But buy that Boxster, get one that's nice, but they're actually kind of affordable as they go used. And good drive good it and enjoy it. Real good ones at yeah. 25. Yeah, drive it and enjoy yeah. it. But you can get cheaper ones, too. You could even go sure. first gen if you wanted. Sure. I mean, you get a really cheap one if you go first gen. Drive it and enjoy it. Take your wife out and enjoy it. But then you don't have to be precious about, it's my only car and what happens today with the roads and the... No, no problem. And then you can solve that Porsche thing without having, I would say, the baggage of, I finally have a Porsche. What am I going to do? Yeah. That's why I go. Well, there. it's it's got to be it's not a beater Porsche, but it's just you keep the the CRV. I mean, that's kind of why I went to 996 because it yes. is the 911 and it feeds the 911 love. I see that. But I do like I the that. Boxster for you. I I, I think mean. I think Kevin you can get yourself a what you're kind of searching for because you even mentioned should I get an S2000? Just embrace the convertible interest, embrace the fun car interest, get yourself a Boxster and just go I have a Porsche now. What do I think? Hmm. 
without having to break the bank or you know, none of that has to happen. That's why I think Boxster is, is the play here and keep the CRV. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Kevin, thanks for writing in. Like I said, if you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. But we do have a ton of social media questions, which we're yeah, jumping to now. Guys. I'm going to jump in with a question from Parmalat on Instagram who says, I get what you mean when you say shooting break, but mm. where does the term come from? Hadn't heard it before listening to the podcast. I don't remember hunters. where I said it before. Uh, I, we talked about it, the the Gran Turismo version of the Panamera recently, and I described it, or one of us described it as a shooting break. Mm. Shooting break, okay. and then we described okay. it as the actual wagon shooting break shape. That's the most recent time. There's been other times, but it's the most okay. recent time it came up. This has been the last couple podcasts. That's right. That's right. Okay. So this came from wagons that used to break in a horse. You use a wagon to go break in a horse to teach it to you know, pull stuff. And well, now this is a wagon shape, but the break is now instead of B-R-E-A-K, it's spelled B-R-A-K-E, so shooting break. But it was where you lay your rifles when you're going mm-hmm. hunting. You lay mm-hmm. all your hunting gear and your long rifles. You take the foxhounds and <laughs> Bentley actually would build custom shooting breaks. I know. And it's a two-door car with a long wagon look. Mm-hmm. You and you lay, lay your, your rifle long rice, rifles back there, and you, you know you've got different calibers and you know all your stuff back there, and mm-hmm. this is where the rifles are transported, and it's what you take just for that sport. <laughs> you could do the <laughs> golf and whatever else. Ah, uh, the but British, how we love them. <laughs> what this has tapped into is most journalists and a lot of car enthusiasts love the wagon look, mm-hmm. but we also like two-door cars. Yes. And so the combination of both is sort of this holy grail moment of, you mean they do that? They build them? It's like, that weird, weird journalist really? nirvana thing, yeah. How cool yeah, is yeah, that? For sure. And they're very rare and usually, like I said, from Bentley or Rolls. Or, and that was back in the 80s. And mm-hmm. then, you know, a few cars are kind of have that shape. But the we Ferrari don't see. Lusso used to be the FF. Yeah. That's a shooting brake. It's a very much so. Shape. And when I say shooting brake for the, the Panamera, obviously it's a four door car. But the shape of that is very much a shooting brake shape. But if you think about the shape of the Lusso, the former FF, and then you look at the shape of the Panamera, how, how it always should have been, mm-hmm. it looks very mm-hmm. shooting brake. It's that long, straight hood. I mean, a roof. It's very cool. It's, it's just, yeah, it's so intriguing, but they're just not. Practical is the wrong word. They're just not as appealing to many customers. They are very sell. practical. It's a hard sell. Because but without got, the four doors, yeah, it doesn't work. The traditional shooting brake is harder for sure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, let's see. How about Areopolis? All right. What do we have as a favorite non-car vehicle? Mm. I'll say it, Areopolis. I want to try to give a short list because my long list would take a podcast. I love airplanes. I yeah, love aircraft. Yeah, I, I have such a thing for airplanes. I mean, there's there used to be. I know this sounds really weird. There used to be a, a B twenty five Mitchell, one of my favorite World War II uh, bombers. It's take the B seventeen, the one everybody knows, and make it fifty percent sized. It's got two engines instead of four. It's got the B seventeen look about mm-hmm. it. Okay, mm-hmm. love that. There was one actually parked in an airport not that far from college, and uh, this is going to sound weird. I know it does, but I'm going to mention it anyway. I used to just drive out there and walk around that plane when I was just having a weird day and I just wanted to kind of get away from everything. It was just a weird brain reset. So just cool. Just walk out to that so airport. Cool. It was parked on the tarmac. and just walk around this World War II plane. It was just – there it was. But I love aircraft. Uh, from World War II, I'll stay there real quick. Obviously, B-25 Mitchell. Those got driven – uh, re- uh, flown. Sorry, not driven. Flown cross-country at treetop level when they were training to try to hit actual Japan. Oh, Those oh, things man. got put on a carrier and flown as far as they could get the carrier during World War II, and then they took them off and flew them over Japan just to go, we can get here. 
There's a whole fascinating oh. thing about that aircraft wow. in World War II. Very fascinating wow. mission. There's a side note of that plot line. I can't believe I'm going here. I'm off on a run. In the Michael Bay Pearl Harbor movie, there's like a sub subplot about <laughs> that mission. <laughs> And it's still one of my favorite missions in World War II. They need to explore that more, I think. That sounds cooler than the actual Michael Bay movie was. Cooler than the Michael Bay movie is a common sentence. (laughs) Anyway, so there's that. uh, Of course, the B-17 is the icon, but I like the B-29. That's a really cool cool. bomber from World War II. Uh, Fighter planes, my two favorite from that era, are the P-38 Lightning with the little center uh, cockpit, but then the... That's all that there is because the actual fuselage and the engines are out, two little extra pieces out to the side. P-38 Lightning, and then, of course, P-51 Mustang. Oh, yeah. If I could own one plane for the heck of it, P-51 Mustang. So that's World War II. (laughs) I won't go all the way to modern day, though I could. Though I could. Catalog of. (laughs) There's a plane from the 60s and 70s, a British bomber called the Vulcan. Look that up. It is a huge Dorito-shaped aircraft. It is very cool. Wow. The Vulcan bomber. Of course, the Concorde is awesome. SR-71 Blackbird, I could kind of start and stop there. That car, that that plane, I can't even tell you how cool, cool that is. Plane, yeah. All the stuff about it. I could go really geeky and I will stop. I love the F-16 Falcon. Uh, that is kind of, it's also been called the Raptor. I don't know why they changed it, but anyway. The F-16 Falcon is kind of the Lotus Elise of uh, fighter planes. Mm. It is in many ways. Uh, I'm going to stop. Does one can, thing really, really well but can't take passengers? It, it it turns, but it is a one-seater. Yeah, anyway, so there's that. So I, I'm going to stop there, but I could go really nuts on planes for a while because I really like them. That's all good. I, I'm going to say super yachts. That is true. You love those. I yeah. love super yachts because I'm into architecture and interior design and specifically furniture and product design and the use of space and materials and lighting. And I've had experience doing designs in that arena. I actually yeah, yeah. did some furniture that was more suited towards super yacht kind mm-hmm. of furniture. And just the research and the lifestyle around that, I've, I, I admit to. I, <laughs> I imagine, you know, yachts in the Monaco Harbor and all that kind of stuff. And the, just the yachting lifestyle. But in general, just the use of space and what yachts and super yachts. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites are a couple of architects who started Wally Yacht. Oh. So look up wallyyacht.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah. These things are outrageous. They're carbon fiber. They <laughs> even made outrageous. skis at one point. <laughs> They're modern architectural masterpieces that happen to float and move on water. Wow. And okay. it right. just turns my crank like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> just you, like I said, use of materials and different shapes, and there's so much creativity in design that can be the shape of a hull, the shape of mm-hmm. a boat, the mm-hmm. use of space, all that kind of stuff. I'm <laughs> I'm floored by all this stuff. I'm just intrigued uh, when, in boats, even though I don't have one and I don't go boating that often. And you live in the dead center of the country. I do kind of live in a landlocked state. Yeah. When you have wicked, wickedly ridiculous, stupid money, It'll be like, where's Paul? Oh, he's on his yacht. He's on his yacht, That's swirling what champagne sure. or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might not be champagne. It might be whiskey, but <laughs> one of the two. Scott Berger asked on Facebook, are there times when a flawed car is better than a near-perfect car? And he says, I have a 911, and it's almost too good. Mm. It's almost effortless. And so he's like, can flawed cars be better? Look, I have to be the one to answer this. Yes. Yes, they can. Look at the Lotus Elise. Yeah. That, I, I was going to say, I was hoping it, you brought bring it that It has up. so many good yeah. points that it does so well, but if it's not in that category, it's just like, wow, that's a sacrifice. But as a result, <laughs> the car has amazing personality, and I, I laugh like a child. By the time I reach the end of my driveway, if I drove in the snow, I'd fall right off my driveway <laughs> and really laugh. But You'd be no, stuck. But seriously, uh, honestly, I get to the end of my block where I live and every time in that car, I think, I love this car. And that is after I have climbed 
some sort of weird origami trick over the door sill and settled in and fished for the seatbelt and fought with the fought with the starter and I mean all of these things have already happened and you drive straight to the chiropractor then and I love it I love it so that is the thing that is happening and I think this is one of the reasons that classic cars and at this point classics are kind of the 90s and older okay if you think about time frame <laughs> crazy to okay? think about so think about all the cars up to the early 90s the thing about those cars is they are all more analog and more flawed than modern cars. And I think it's one of the reasons we get in them and go, this is really cool. Hmm. You, drive an old, uh, you drive an M3, the original M3, the E30. Okay. Not fast, not luxurious, really simple in many cases, and yet you just laugh. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff about it that's just not, not nice enough for a modern car, but you don't care. I think those flaws, like in people, give cars personality. It's a nice little segue into a question on Instagram from Thomas G22 asks me, given how popular retro items are coming back now, mm-hmm. the example being video game consoles or the Camaro when it's made its return, do we think car manufacturers will try to bring back the retro styling if they can make the safety regulations work? Mm, okay. I hope not. I knew you'd go there. I hope not. <laughs> oh, you're singing it. We it have you so been much. there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We have been there. We've tried every iteration. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works as well as people think it works. Mm. But instead of retro, I'm wanting to push what I've mentioned before, and that is bringing back or retrofitting existing old models with new technology. And I know there's plenty of custom car builders that do sure, this, but the sure, best sure. example is the Jaguar E-Type Zero, yeah, the electric E-Type, mm-hmm. where the conversion can be done with the I-Pace guts mm-hmm. The balance is still the same, and it can also be retrofitted back to a gasoline engine motor or just just the engine without destroying the car. Mm -hmm. You're not cutting or chopping anything. Sure, sure, sure. This intrigues me more. So other models that could be retrofitted, a company that does that, or a GM, a Ford, whoever that is, and retrofitting older cars, you bring whatever model that car is in, and they can retrofit it. Mm. That interests me more because we're not taking the styling and trying to redo what was always already glorious. We, we're not touching that. We're celebrating that, mm-hmm. bringing those old cars back. And to me, that is the best kind of recycling there is. Mm. Putting old cars back on the road and giving them longer life I instead like of it. scrapping like them it. or crushing them. Let's enjoy that and enjoy that styling then. That's not retro. That's just enjoying the car. It's just cool. It's just it, it classic and timeless. in that Because yeah. in the Chevy... HHR, the SSR, the PT Cruiser. Mm-hmm. There's so many bad examples where it looks good on paper in the sketch, and then you, then inevitably you have to make it work as a sales mm. item. So yeah. it has to be yeah. shoehorned onto an existing chassis with existing parts. You can't go make that retro car and everything is bespoke. Too expensive. Yeah. They'd be yeah, $300,000 yeah. and yeah. at that point... As they are, why are people do why that. Why are we yeah. doing this again? Yeah, like, Remind sure. me. For sure. We want everybody to have them. We want to democratize that. Mm. To do that, you've got to take the switch gear out of that and that radiator and that engine and that platform, which... <laughs> Is a shortened minivan platform or something. And now it's, and, now it's compromised and further. Then you look, yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. It's been tried before, and I hope they don't try that again. Well, With the exception of Suicide Doors, which, which Lincoln is meekly bringing back to the market. Meekly. <laughs> meekly. There we go. I like <laughs> They're it. They're just you know, a toe in the pool of, we should have done this earlier. Sorry, everyone. Here you go. There's 80 of them. 
<laughs> this reminds me of, a, of the thing that happens in Hollywood, which is, well, that was a really good movie 20 years ago. We should remake it. It was really good That's 20, a great example. 20 years ago. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Let it be a good movie from 20 years ago. How about the Italian job? Because they did a good job on the remake. I yeah. liked seeing Modern Cars, but we don't need all those movies to be remade. Well, but that's the thing, is that is that how often... And, it, and look, I know sometimes the answer is yes, it is better. But how often when somebody remakes an old movie, do they make a better version? Not often. Not often, yeah. I and mean, this is the problem with bringing the retro back. Conversely, I really like the resto mod thing. I mean, we did that conversation in season three. We had a right. classic right. Uh, 68 Mustang that was essentially showroom style and a 67 Chances resto mod. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like the resto mod idea of underneath the skin, this is a modern car, but look at it. Hmm. You know, it's timeless, which is really cool. Yeah, interesting. All right, what else you got on here? Uh, let's see. Waffleophagus. I love that. <laughs> waffle off. I like waffles. It's just fun to say. They're just plaid pancakes. Off of, <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> off of Twitter. Uh, his girlfriend totaled her car. No one was hurt. I'm, I'm sorry she totaled her car, though. They're looking to get her kind of a quick buy of a cheap uh, sub $5,000 car off Craigslist. Obviously, we don't really recommend this, but I, I know, understand it happens. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. I understand S's. that it happens. Um, you could get a Mini Cooper S. Be <clears> careful <throat> of how it's been maintained and what the mileage is because they do things like, I don't know, leak. So be careful. Of the, but it is an option. <laughs> right now, they're looking at the Scion TC and the Honda Fit. He's asking for other options. Uh, I think the Honda Fit would just run and run and run. And you'd be shocked by the use of space. Uh, Scion TC was never as good as I wanted it to be. But they are cheap. I will give you that. Uh, Honda Fit, I think, is a good choice. You could also find Mazda 3s Mm. for this price. Mm -hmm. Shop Mazda 3s. You might find an older Acura TL. I know that's kind of wild card, but they're out there. Older Acura TLs that keep running. Now, be careful. Be careful. Like the... uh, I'm talking the good one, which starts, I believe, 04 and goes up. Prior to mm-hmm. that, the TL was like a TL32, and it was known to have transmission problems. So be careful. Mm-hmm. But if you get the, I think it's 0304 to like 08, I, I may get it a little wrong there. That one we love, and I found those for five grand before. Because trust me, I've looked. Those are some ones that strike me right off the bat. Uh, the great thing about $5,000 cars and the terrible thing, and we've said this before, you just need to shop with that money category in mind and then go, oh, look, there's one of those. And then you dig into the forums and goes, what's wrong with these cars at that mileage? <laughs> That's the other part of it. So right. hopefully that helps. All right. Question over here on Instagram from AndyLam85. Yes, we ran into you. Hey, Andy. We, uh, we ran into him at the LA Auto Show there at the press days, and he asks, why do car companies sunset a nameplate, drop the name, and then bring it back years or decades later. Why not just continue along with the nameplate? And his example is the Chevy Blazer. The mm. Blazer is coming back in a yeah. very non-Blazer, also weak design that is okay. not very Blazerish. Not a fan of that one, huh? Okay, all right. It's just hey, we brought the name back, and it looks like the rest of your lineup. Sure, sure. Unlike the Bronco, which is you know also coming back, but hopefully will be yeah. very cool. Yeah, everybody. I am ready for that Bronco. I know you are. They are yeah. going to sell a zillion of them. They are. Yeah. And Chevy needs to make the Blazer really cool, like the K five Blazer. From yeah, the need 80s. to compete. I mean, yeah, come I see on. that for sure. Yeah, have, yeah. It's an opportunity ripe. Mm-hmm. It's. Since everybody's only getting SUVs, uh, there the, you go. The yeah. new styling, it's just like all the other traverses and whatever they're. Mm-hmm. Yeah. E- equinoxes. E- equinox versus. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, got it. It's because of sales numbers, generally speaking. Mm. It's not because of, oh, we're going to take this away and, you know, the heart will grow fonder and we'll wish for that nameplate. No, mm-hmm. it's because sales drop to the point where they think we've got other more modern things to do and we have to address a marketplace issue or a hole in our lineup and mm. we need a different model whereas you know a few years ago the 
you know, Blazer bringing that back might not have been as well received or mm. perceived to be well received by that car company. They have people, top men working on this. <laughs> top men working on it. Name that Which reference. Men? Top men. <laughs> top men Thank you, working on this John. problem. Yes. And they bring that nameplate back thinking, oh, maybe now's the right time where the market's ready for this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hit and miss, but yeah, generally sure. it's sales numbers that are driving this. They mm-hmm. drop off either a name like Mercury. Well, the Taurus went away and came back. It did. Yeah. It did. I don't think it needed to necessarily. I think it needed to True. morph and change. True. But they dropped it and mm-hmm. the sales mm-hmm. numbers were low and they were moving on to a different category. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's moved on to the CUVs, and so that's not the right kind of uh, you know, nameplate. That nameplate doesn't match the type of car we want to put it on, so let's come up with a new name. Yeah, yeah. But now they've got a large SUV that's coming back, but it's still not the right. It doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, well, we put Blazer on it, and it's a... No, it's not. Yeah, I mean... It, the this... lines aren't right. The shape isn't right. <laughs> Note to the audience, Paul does not like the new Blazer. Yeah. The old K5 was based on pickup truck styling. Yeah, it was. It was cool. Very cool. Uh, No. (laughs) No. The other thing that happens here, and it happens with movies and books and all kinds of things, uh, there's been a a huge trend in marketing in the last 20, 25 years. That is, if we have anything that already has good baggage associated with it, already has awareness with the audience, we need to repurpose a product under that name because half the marketing's done for us. People mm. used to like that thing. It's been done with movies and books and all kinds of things. We need to bring it back. This is the problem that also happens with some of these cars. They did their lifespan, and that's why the name ended. But then somebody went, well, but but Taurus is a well-known name. If you mm-hmm. want to sell a sedan, just go Taurus because everybody will know what size it is. Know what it is. Blazer was a was a was a truck. People like Blazer. Do do Blazer. You, you've already got. And you also have these problems. If you create new names all the time, you need that URL. You need that copyright. Mm, true. You need the ability to get That's that name point. is only yours. Uh, Chevy had the Beretta for one generation oh, and had Beretta. a huge fight with the Beretta gun company because, by the way, you took our name and put it on a car. And they had a weird settlement, and ultimately the car only existed for one generation anyway, which should have gone away. But the point is, this is another problem. You have a name in your stable that you own, so we got to bring it back because the hassle of finding another one can sometimes be too much. Hopefully Ford doesn't bring back the Crown Victoria name and put it on a CUV because that's all they're building now. Yeah, exactly. Because that just doesn't fit. Let's (laughs) leave that in the past. Some of them belong in the past, right? Aaron Brooks wrote in with a dilemma. It sounds like a good problem, though. He's got a 2017 modified WRX. Cool. He just bought a Fiesta ST because of us. Very cool. That is awesome. He loves it. He says he he really loves it. So now he's going, okay, I need a rear-wheel drive. I I want that experience in my life. So do I sell the WRX and get an expensive rear-wheel drive, like a, a C7 Corvette or a GT350, both of which would be delicious? Should I get one of those? Or should I keep the WRX and just shop cheaper, like an 86 chassis, and a Miata. Mm. And then he would have all three variations. He'd have a cool front-wheel drive, a cool all-wheel drive, and a cool rear-wheel drive. Now, Aaron, here's my two big kind of reality questions for you. Do you have the space and the use for three cars? Because if you're going to wind up with one of these cars now is forced to sit in the bad spot wherever under the tree or the, you know, covercraft, but under the tree or something (laughs) that is the bad place for the car to be and it's going to get, because it doesn't have a parking space. You have that issue. Is one of the cars going to have to be delegated to that? Or is one of the cars never going to get driven because you don't have a need for it anymore, but you still have all three? 
this makes me want to go two cars for you. I like, I actually genuinely like the right tool for the job. You have all three cars, all three platforms. That's very fun. And I think I think I like about the 86 or the Miata, and you have all three cars, is they feel like they're all the same kind of category of car as far as power and performance. They're in similar overlaps, and you have the three platforms. The C7 and the GT350 is obviously a step up in a big way. I'm not sure you're going to have genuine usage and genuine place to put all three cars, which is the only reason I caution you against that. If you really, like, the Fiesta would be your runabout and the C7 or GT350 would be your fun car, and you don't have a need for a third, go that route because you would love a C7 or a GT350. I hope that kind of helps you navigate because it's really going to be about, like we always say, we'd all have an unlimited car collection if we had a place to put it and the money to afford it. Mm. So can you solve those problems and actually deal with three cars? And please drive them. Don't have a car collection you don't drive. Yeah, agreed. Well, last question for me from JME B-Man says, My proclivities seem to align most with Paul. And having said that, would I pay $30,000 for a low-mileage late-model C6 Corvette 2012-2013? Yes, I would. Try to find a Z06. And please watch the Corvette film when it comes out. Yes, that will help you. That's my answer. We'll enjoy that. Uh, I've got one last one from me. Brian is writing in. Uh, thank you, Brian. He's writing in. He has a Mustang that he's done some modification to. He is going on a road trip out west this summer. He's in planning mode. Nice. I love this. He's nice. going to do national parks. He's going to do California canyons, twisty roads. Any suggestions for his route? I, you don't say where you're coming from. Right. So I'm right. not sure what you're going to go through. So I'm just going to throw out a few few ideas for you, and you tell me what works, or you figure out what works for you. Uh, Utah, southern Utah is really cool because you've got uh, – there's a Highway 12 in southern Utah. Totally. Spectacularly beautiful. Goes through not Boulder, Colorado. Goes through Boulder, Utah. Look at Boulder, Utah and Highway 12. Gorgeous drive. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. In this same area, the western edge of Colorado has the million-dollar highway south of Ure, Colorado. Another gorgeous drive. Out in California, you say you're, you're, you definitely are going out to PCH, you're going to do the California drive thing, which is fantastic. You'll love that. But if you're going to go through California, look on the eastern edge of the Sierras, 395 Highway. Watch our mid Inches of Mountains film. Every road in mid Inches of Mountains is right around Lone Pine, California, off of the 395. Mm, yeah. You just you exit the freeway, and you go west. And that road will go for 10 miles through spectacular, like, asphalt laying on the side of a uh, shoulder of a mountain for 10 miles to a dead-end parking lot where people go out to hike. And they may be airlifting goats, if you've heard yeah, our podcast Yeah, that's true. They might be tranquilizing elk yeah. and goats and yeah, airlifting exactly. them into the backcountry. Amazing roads in that area around Lone Pine. We, we did many of them for that film. If you're going to go to that area, try those for sure. I am off to sketch what I think the Blazers should look like. I like that. Please it's, do. It's going to look like Please a modern do. K5, really. I think that's what I, I want to see the done. sketch for sure, yeah. Guys, thank you. Really, really appreciate it. Massive thanks for all your questions, for your social media questions. The debates sent to the email and the social media questions are, of course, sort of latest news and thoughts and, of course, rants. We're looking forward to next time. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.
ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.